0: Well, I send you greetings yet again from the borough of Brooklyn. I feel like it's been the uh, Brooklyn Pastors Convention out on uh, the Hamptons this summer. Um, I guess I'm the fifth uh, Brooklyn pastor who's come out to fill in for Pastor Mark while he and his family are on sabbatical. So, uh, as Bob uh, just said, my name is Brian Steadman. I'm one of the pastors with Resurrection Brooklyn. I uh, was serving at the Park Slope location and then doing Hurricane Sandy relief for the last two in three-quarter years and are now looking to transition the work of that ministry into a new Resurrection Brooklyn location in Sheepshead Bay. So it's great to be with you. It's always fun to be out here and thank you for your hospitality and generosity and uh, just inviting our family in and letting us uh, not only come to serve but also to be served by you guys. So so thanks. Uh, they saved the last Brooklyn pastor for last. So um, we'll... Uh, We'll dive right in then on uh, John uh, chapter 21, Uh, our sermon text this morning is going to be from the book of John uh, chapter 21 verses 1 through 14. You can uh, listen to it as I read it and just sit back and relax or if you prefer to follow along uh, you have a pew Bible there I believe and you can find it on page 907. So this is God's word to us so let's give it our careful attention. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon, Peeper, si, Peeper, Peeper. when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, we ask you would bless the reading and now the preaching of your word. I'm sure this morning we come with many things on our hearts and minds. It is a holiday weekend, but we know that there is a lot about to kick into high gear. School is starting, Uh, summer is over, we'll be back at work from vacations, all sorts of things are going on, and maybe this morning we're feeling a little bit frantic, hectic, overwhelmed uh, by all that there is to do, and so we pray, Lord, that this morning we would listen to you, that uh, we need you for all these things, and we can trust you and depend upon you. Whether we need strengthening, encouraging, correcting, Lord, open our eyes and ears and hearts to hear and to receive from you, and we ask and pray this by the power of your Holy Spirit and in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is one of my favorite passages in all of scriptures, uh, because I grew up doing a lot of fishing. Um, As I've been with you a number of times now, and you know that I'm not originally a Brooklynite. I'm from uh, Alabama, and our family grew up doing a lot of bass fishing and catfish fishing and all that sort of stuff. My dad still fishes a lot. Uh, It's pretty much guaranteed that uh, he is on the river if he's got a spare moment. Uh, from work or whatever else, he is out there on the river in Alabama fishing. Uh, My son, uh, Eben, our middle child, he actually uh, thinks that we only catch fish when we're with my father. Um, He has often said, I really like going fishing with granddaddy because we actually catch fish then. I don't really catch that much with you. And uh, we've, we've reversed that trend a little bit of late. We've done a lot of fishing this summer, and, and uh, while we've been on vacation and had a good time, actually Claire, our youngest, is uh, starting to turn into the one with the hot hand when it comes to fishing. She'll tell you all about how many she caught this summer if you ask her. But there was a time in my life when I actually got the best of my dad, the guy who fishes all the time and who's really good at it. There was one time when I was a little kid that I got the best of him at, on a fishing trip. Actually, him and my grandfather, my dad's dad, my pawpaw. I caught sixty fish to their thirty combined in the span of a couple of days. I kid you not. Alright? Now you may be saying, oh, that sounds like one of those fish stories. I'm like, no, it's absolutely true. In fact, we would take we were fishing with minnows and we would or what we call them minnows in Alabama. We were fishing with minnows, and uh, we could take the dead minnow off my grandfather and my dad's line, like after it just swum, swam around until it just croaked, take the dead minnow off, put it on my line, drop it in, fish, bam, just like that. I swear, it actually happened. That's what happened. You can ask my dad. Now, he's going to try to give you all this other scientific sound and explanation for what was actually good. Don't listen to all that, all right? Just know that I caught twice as many as they did combined. But as Eben My son's comment alludes to, I do know what it's like to go fishing and catch absolutely nothing. No matter what you do, no matter what you try, you can fish all day, fish all night. You just get skunked. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Which is partly why I resonate with this story so much. Because even if you're not a fishing enthusiast, that's not your thing. You don't really enjoy it. That's fine. I'm sure you can still relate in some way. That no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try no matter how long and how hard you work at something, you just come up empty with nothing to show for your labor, which is exactly what the disciples were experiencing here. It says there in verse 3, they fished all night long and they caught nothing. But why did they even go fishing in the first place? It's a bit of a puzzle. Because, in fact, opinions are even divided. If you read commentaries on this passage... Some commentators would say, well, this is a really terrible and dumb thing that the disciples are doing going fishing. And others would say, ah, no, it's, you know, it's not that big a deal. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Because they were, after all, fishermen. Before they followed Jesus, this was, this was the, these guys' profession. That's what they did. This was not recreational fishing that we go and do for fun. This was their job. This was their profession. This is what they did to make a living. They were professional fishermen. And I would have to imagine that some of their friends and family members have been saying, you know, that was a nice three-year run you had there with Jesus following Him all over the place, but, you know, do something. It's time to get to work. Put some bread on the table. Earn a living. That time is over. Now it's time to get back to reality and life. And at the same time, there does seem to be this tone that the disciples were a bit clueless about what they were supposed to be doing with themselves. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's to be expected. They went fishing. They are professional fishing, but at fishermen. But at the same time, it does seem like they're not really sure what they're supposed to be doing at this time. I mean, they've been out in hiding. They've been on the land together. Their leader had been killed. They've been scattered. They've been worried and afraid that the same thing was going to happen to them. But Jesus has come back from the dead. He's been raised from the dead. And he's now appeared to the disciples twice already and reminded them that they do have a job to do more than just fishing he told them that as the father has sent me so now i send you to go out into the world and proclaim the good news of jesus christ and to baptize all people and all nations in the name of the father son and holy spirit he's given them a job to do and given that they still don't immediately even recognize jesus speaking to them at first And given their sheepishness and surprise to be around the resurrected Jesus once they do, to me the feel is that the disciples were sitting around, not really sure what they were supposed to be doing, and Peter says, well, I'm going fishing. And the rest of the disciples say, sounds like a good idea, we'll go with you. Because you see, friends, they're still coming to grips with what Jesus' resurrection actually means for them. It's still sinking in. It still hasn't quite fully taken hold of their lives. It's still sinking in that apart from Jesus, they can do nothing. They will catch nothing. There's nothing wrong with them going fishing, but Jesus is going to use this ordinary moment their jobs, their labor. To drive home yet again for them that apart from him they can do nothing. So we see here in verse four, as another dawn is breaking, as the sun is rising on another morning, the risen Jesus is revealing himself to the disciples yet again, and he calls out to them and he says, Friends or boys, lads, have you caught anything? And they say, No. So we read there in verse 6, he says to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Friends, this has happened before. This is not the first time this has happened. If you remember, you can read, read about it back in Luke chapter 5. The disciples have just been called to follow him, to follow Jesus. They have left their nets. Their jobs as professional fishermen, and they are, they're going out and they're following this man, Jesus. So they don't really know fully yet. They're, trying, they're still getting to know them. And one day when Jesus was preaching, they, the disciples, they went out and they did what they do. They went out and went fishing, and they fished all night, and they caught nothing, not a thing. And Jesus called out to them from the shore and said, Hey, if you go fish right over there, you're going to catch some fish. And if you read the account in Luke chapter 5, Peter actually seems a little annoyed by what Jesus says to them. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been fishing and somebody just walks along and they're like, hey, you know, you really will catch them if you go over here. You're just sort of like, don't tell me what to do. I can catch fish. I don't need you to tell me where to go or how to do it. And that's kind of the tone in Luke chapter 5. Peter's like, listen, this is my business, I'm the fisherman. You're the miracle worker and teacher. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. I'll handle the fishing, okay? But just to humor you, Jesus, I'll do what you say. And what happens? The same thing. They haul in so many fish, they have to call another boat to come over and help them before they tip over and capsize. But this time, when this stranger on the beach tells them what to do, they just do it. And just like last time, they, kept, they pull in this catch so big, they can barely haul it in. And then one commentator points out that it's notable that never once in the Gospels do the disciples actually catch a fish without Jesus' help. And so in verse 7, it clicks. They remember. The light bulb goes off. I remember. We've been here before. This has happened before. And Peter does what we expect Peter to do, the impulsive thing. He finds out that is Jesus, and he just throws himself in the water and starts swimming to shore. Alright, he was stripped down for work, and I, I don't know why he leaves the rest of, doesn't just leave the rest of his clothes in the boat. He wraps them around him and just throws himself in the water and starts swimming to shore. Doesn't? Bother to help the rest of his buddies. Bring in all these fish. Doesn't wait around for them. Doesn't just take the boat in. He just immediately starts swimming to shore as fast as he can. And that's what we expect Peter to do. And even though that's what we expect, it's very different than the first time Jesus gave them this extraordinary fishing trip. Because the first time this happened, that first instance when Jesus told them where to fish, and they pulled in all all, all these great numbers of fish... That time, Peter actually falls down in terror before Jesus. He doesn't run towards Jesus. He wants to get away from Jesus as fast as he possibly can. He falls down and says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Because in that moment, he he comes to grips with this reality that this man, Jesus, is not only a man, but he is also God himself. And he is big, and he is powerful, and he is all-consuming. And Peter is like, get away from me. I can't be near you. Peter was ashamed to be near Jesus. Not too long ago, he couldn't distance himself fast enough by denying Jesus three times in the moment of Jesus' worst hour. But friends, you see, this is different this time for Peter. This time, Peter can't get to Jesus fast enough. No time to help his friends, no time to get properly dressed. He has to be with Jesus as fast as he possibly can. Peter was afraid of Jesus when he realized that he was big and powerful and all consuming. But the resurrection has made that point like nothing can. Yes, Jesus is big and powerful. And all consuming. But the resurrection has also pointed out that Jesus loves us. He serves us. He comes to us. He seeks after us. And His love is greater than our own failure, our own shame, our own limitations to try to make this life happen on our own and in our own way. Peter needs the resurrected Jesus because he knows that in Jesus, He is not doomed. the failure of his denial. He's not doomed to the limitations of his own self-sufficiency and independence. Yes, the disciples are still trying to figure it out. They're still trying to understand all that Jesus intends for them to do. They're still going out doing things on their own, in their own way and they're coming back with nothing to show for it. But I have no doubt that Jesus is using this moment to remind them That he called them not only to be fishermen, but fishers of men. Which is what he said to them after that first fishing trip, where they left their nets and followed him. And so Jesus here is inviting these disciples yet again to come into his presence. To leave their busyness, their self-sufficiency, their distraction and confusion and weakness behind them. To come and see and hear and taste that with Jesus there is peace. There is acceptance, there is pursuit, there is healing. Apart from Him, they can do nothing, but He is always calling out to them, My friends, my little children, abide in me, and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. Come and eat. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. So let me ask you, do you run to this good news? Like Peter, do you run to it? Can you not get to Jesus fast enough? Every week do you come here and recognize and sense that your hunger is so great that you can't get here fast enough to eat at his table and be fed by him and nourished and strengthened. Jesus is inviting you to come and experience his resurrection power. And even though I was probably at least a little obnoxious on that fishing trip where I caught so many more fish, than my dad and my grandfather, I still got to enjoy the fact that my grandfather would take all those fish and he would clean them and he would batter them in cornmeal and he would cook them over a little camp stove and they tasted so good. Even though that I was probably a jerk about it, I still got to enjoy that blessing. And so did the disciples. Jesus invites them on the beach to have a feast. To eat with Him. He's inviting you and I to do the same. To come and experience His resurrected power. So if you're questioning what's next. If you're asking, what am I supposed to do? I don't even know. If you're working hard. You're doing everything that you know to do. You're throwing everything you have in your tackle box. At the challenges and the problems that you face in life. And you're still coming back with nothing. Then know this. Jesus has called you to come and to abide in Him. And he leaves us a few things here to remember from this passage. The first is this. This job to do is not yours alone. It's not yours alone. The disciples may be confused about a lot of things. They may be still trying to figure a lot of things out. But they did get this right. They were doing it together. They were working out their faith and trying to figure this out in the context of the community that Jesus left them. They were doing it together. And so, friends, you have to remember that as well. We're not called to live out this faith in isolation. We figure it out together. We fish together. And that's comforting. You're not alone in this job. The second thing to remember is this. Jesus really doesn't need our catch. He doesn't really need it. If you look at verse 9, by the time they get to shore, he's already got fish, he's already got bread. He's already got it laid out and has prepared and cooked it for for them. The work is His. This is Jesus' work, friends. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Yet, He gladly welcomes and accepts our work. You see it there in verse 10. He still says, bring what you caught, friends. Bring it on over. And He does the same for us. He doesn't need it, but He gladly accepts our work offered up to him. That's what we do do every week when you when that offering plate goes around, that's a part of what's happening. Jesus says, "I gladly accept your work. Bring it over." Because I give you a role to play, too. You know, one of the things when Evan talks about he catches some more fish with Granddaddy, let me qualify it just a little bit. Granddaddy hooks a lot of fish and he hands the pole over to Evan and lets Evan reel them in. But you know what? That's okay. Because Jesus is doing the same thing for us. He's going to bring the catch in. He's going to catch the fish. But friends, He allows us to enjoy a role as well. He hands the rod over to us and says, Here, take part in this. i got work for you to do too. And I'm going to strengthen you and help you to do it. So friends, let's pray and ask that Jesus would allow us to play our part to play our role in bringing in his catch and inviting everyone to come and to feast at his table in his kingdom. Let's pray and ask him to do so. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy and loving kindness to us. We thank you, Father, that you do give us a role to play in your kingdom, that all our work is offered up to you and you gladly accept it, as broken as it is often. We also thank you that you give us a role to play into bringing in your catch, your fish that are destined and long to be in your kingdom to come and to eat with you and be satisfied, to know that they are forgiven, to know that you are with them and you are always pursuing them. So help us to play that part by the strength of your Holy Spirit. For apart from you we can do nothing, but we know that you are with us. So let us abide in you and you in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we come to this table this morning, let me remind you, this table is for those who trust in Jesus, who have been baptized and put their faith in Him. This is not a Presbyterian table, it's not a Baptist table, it's not a Methodist table, this is the Lord's table. And He's inviting all to come and taste and see that the Lord is good, just like this meal on the beach. He's saying, are you, are you tired? Are you at the end of your rope? Listen, friends, I have a meal for you every week where you can come and confess your hunger, but be fed and be satisfied. So that's what we are inviting you to this morning. If that does not yet describe where you are in your walk with Jesus, if you've not been baptized or quite put your faith and trust in Him, then take this moment uh, to, to sit there and just to pray and to ask God to reveal Himself to you, and He promises that He will. In fact, there's some prayers on the back of the bulletin to help you do that if that's the case. So for the visitors who are not used to how Grace Hamptons receives communion, let me give you some instructions. I'm a visitor too, so I have to remind myself how this works. In fact, they send me a YouTube video of Pastor Mark uh, so that hopefully I wouldn't mess this up, but I probably still will. Uh, So whatever I say, just look at a normal attender and if they're like, no, don't do that, just just follow me. So what we're going to do is we're going to have two lines and you're going to be invited to come forward and uh, receive some bread and then there will also be uh, wine and grape juice in the cups for you to choose. The wine is the darker colored uh, stuff and the grape juice is the lighter colored stuff. So you'll come forward, you take some bread and uh, take some wine or grape juice and then don't eat it yet. Uh, You'll go back to your seat and hold those elements in your hands and then a little bit later uh, we're actually going to uh, receive this meal together. I think I got that right. All right, yeah, thumbs up. I'm getting thumbs up. All right, very good. All right, well, let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll invite you forward uh, to receive communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you that even though uh, we rebelled against you, we turned away, that we said we can do this on our own and tried to forsake you, we thank you that you did not leave us to that path, that you ran after us and pursued us, and you have drawn us back in the life of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. And so when we come to this meal, we celebrate his life, we celebrate his glorious resurrection, we celebrate the fact that he has ascended and sits at your right hand and right now is looking over us, praying for us, interceding for us, and bringing his kingdom to bear through us. So we pray as we come to this meal, Heavenly Father, that this bread and this wine may truly be the food and drink of new and unending life in him. That as we drink this or eat this bread and drink this wine, that He would become one with us and we one with Him. That He would abide in us and that we would abide in Him. And that also as we come together, that we as brothers and sisters and disciples of Christ would be joined to one another in unity as well. And realize that we are one body of Christ. We are in this together and we will go forth from here in mission, strengthened and ready to do so. All this we ask and pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who with the Holy Spirit is all honor and glory and praise to you, Heavenly Father, forever and ever. Amen.